let's begin. Blank paper and pen, stories to tell, battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. What up, folks? This is Leroy Barber with Sit Up Podcast, and as usual, we are. Uh, incredibly grateful for you following along with us. Uh, we are in our second season. Uh, and as no- usual, you can hit us up on Facebook at Sit Up Podcast. You can hit me at, at Leroy Barber on Twitter or Facebook uh, or Instagram and follow along. And if you have any questions or comments that you want to uh, send our way, send them. And we try to get those things up somehow or Put an article on our site or or do a podcast around it. So keep sending that info and we will we'll keep connecting with one another uh, around this sit up podcast. Uh, and thankful again to Matt and Amina Brown for their uh, allowing us to use their fantastic work. Uh, please look them up and follow them. So today and we are following up on our time in San Francisco. We attended the SOCAP conference, which is a conference geared around social entrepreneurship. And I know many people don't know what that means or, uh, or haven't had much engagement with social entrepreneurs. Some of the bigger examples of that is if you know anything about Tom's shoes, this idea around, you know, you buy a pair of shoes, they give away a pair of shoes. There's some companies that do eyeglass. Uh, you know, you, you buy a pair of eyeglasses, they give away a pair of eyeglasses. Those are some larger examples of what uh, social entrepreneurship uh, means or looks like. Uh, the, it, it, is, it is a space in which there are two bottom lines, one bottom line being profit and the other being some social good that happens out of that business, right? So uh, some folks will, uh, will start a coffee shop in their neighborhood as a space for people to connect and come together and meet. Uh, at, and it will solve that social problem within that space, but also it's a business. Uh, and this is a growing space uh, that SOCAP started in 2008 with about six, five to 600 people uh, this year, they're up to a little over 3,000 people attending this conference. And here's there, there are investors, uh, uh, hedge fund folks, venture capitalists, all around this space looking at how they can get involved uh, with businesses that have this double bottom line. So we got a chance to spend some time there this week. Now, I am going to throw out a few things that, uh, that have come up over, over, this, over this week. And, and, I, and I, I, I want you to think about a few of them. One, uh, one of the things that came up early in a conversation was this idea of the power of convening and how investors, how venture capitalists are looking for folks who can convene people. Now, you know that can be done in different ways now, right? That can be done uh, on, you know, on a social network. That can be done with an event or events. That could be done you know, around coffee. That could be done around uh, art. That could be done around music. Uh, some people do storytelling venues. 
But the power of convening is becoming something that uh, is important in this process. So question, do you convene folks, right? And if you do, how do you leverage that in an entrepreneurial pursuit, right? Um, uh, and in this convening, one of the things that was interesting that I heard is how do we bring strangers together to create? Isn't that fascinating, right? Like, like convening, not just your own people or people who are just like you, but convening various groups of people together to create something. The other thing that, uh, that came up that was, you know, I, I thought pretty interesting is there in this space, we have a number of venture capitalists, a number of investment bankers, uh, banks, credit unions, all kinds of folks gathered representing billions of dollars, literally. Uh, and the conversations have been, are strongly leaning towards how do we get wealth to communities of color, right? That, that, that is a conversation happening in this diverse space. And where you know, you norm, normally don't hear those kinds of upfront, you know, uh, conversations around money, right? And power. But in this space where uh, the social return is important, then that conversation becomes important. Uh, so uh, the 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 I, I just kind of love how that is, how these two things are put together. Their idea of money and meaning, uh, and how you bring together money and meaning as a social entrepreneur. Some other things we heard uh, uh, this week uh, as it relates to. Uh, where what I feel are are um, are probably things you would hear in a church or have heard in a church or have heard around social justice and those things coming up as as regularly like in conversation with people walking to the next meal right uh, talking about uh, uh, getting marginalized voices to the table that's that's a that was a conversation that I had with many people here um, with no pushback. No, no, it wasn't a strange conversation. It was if we're going if we're going to uh, represent social entrepreneurship, if we're going to represent money and meaning, then we can't just have one group planning for another. The other the group that is recipient uh, must be at the table. Right. And, 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 and that that was impressive to kind of hear that conversation happening again in a room with, you know, someone who's running an endowment, a billion dollar endowment. Incredible conversations. Other thing that come that came up over and over is the word disruption. Unless we disrupt the system, it will always go and do business as usual. Here you have social entrepreneurships, entrepreneurs saying there has to be some disruption or we won't see business change. Where are we hearing? Where else are we hearing that? Many of your churches, uh, your denominations uh, are having that kind of conversation. How do we disrupt things so that we in the church uh, space, in a lot of spaces, so that we can know and understand and be relevant in community again. 
Not all, but a lot of a lot of churches are having that conversation. What is the place of art in uh, in moving this change and conversations around having artists commissioned to recreate or create or help us see a different future, right? And arts being a really uh, using it in a way that it, it has been. Uh, used in the past for positive, but also being aware that art um, is also uh, being used in some ways that people would not prefer. So this this process of you see artists go into a place and then you see gentrification and then you see displacement, right? Wanting to disrupt that cycle and seeing artists in a different space as opposed to just folks leading the charge uh, to signal gentrifiers, which we know leads to displacement. Uh, how do we create economies, ways to preserve jobs? Um, the, all of these types of conversations. I went to a fascinating conversation on, on, on branding. So here's what, here's what we got. I ha have been able to have a relationship with one of the uh, founders of SOCAP. Rosalie Hardin. And we're going we're gonna to jump on an interview with Rosalie and, uh, and hear from her, hear from a person who is, who is uh, a social entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, but also sees her faith as connected to that. I can't wait for you to hear Rosalie Hardin. She's coming up. This is Leroy Barber. This is the Sit Up Podcast. Let's begin. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. What up, folks? This is Leroy Barber with the Sit Up Podcast. And this week, uh, I have the opportunity uh, to be at an event in Northern California called SOCAP. So I'm sitting here looking at the Golden Gate Bridge uh, on the end of a marina uh, with an incredible view right now. Uh, but I'm also here with one of my favorite people in the world. Um, Rosalie Harden is one of the founders of SOCAP. Um, and, and Rosalie is a pastor. And so today's conversation will be really cool because uh, for I, I want you to get to hear somebody who has the heart of a pastor and understands business and money and how capital works and puts those things together in her work. So, uh, Rosalie, Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being on. Now, I got a bunch of questions for you. But first, tell us about um, your pastoring life here in San Francisco? Well, I was uh, was a pastor here in San Francisco um, from the late 90s for mm -hmm. about uh, 10 to 12 years, depending on how you count what I was doing while mm -hmm. I was in seminary. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I was the pastor of a congregation that um, lived on the edge of the mission in Noe Valley. When I got there, there were about 80 folks and two kids under 12. And mm -hmm. when I left, there were couple of hundred folks and 60 kids under 12 and we had a blast and I, I love San Francisco and I love the people who were pastor there. It was, um, my husband 
it always gets annoyed at me when I say it's predominantly GLBTQ congregation, mm -hmm. but it always mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. in, in San Francisco, and we had just such an amazingly diverse group of people, mm -hmm. um, but people who really loved being in community together uh -huh. and, and, and cared deeply about what God was up to in the world and were curious about how to live that out in a secular city like mm -hmm. San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you were doing this before, you, you were integrating these things before right. it was popular, right? I was, I was. I, was, I went to seminary, I, I went to seminary right out of college, which is fascinating. I went to seminary, I'm gonna point you people mm -hmm. on the podcast, you can't see me. <laughs> but do you see where that boat is right over there? Yeah. Right on the other side of that is Strawberry Point, and I was a mm -hmm. Southern Baptist, and the Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary was there until, a, I think, just a few months ago. And that's I went to seminary in 1974, realized that I wasn't the brightest girl in the block trying to go to Baptist mm -hmm, Seminary mm -hmm, in 74, mm -hmm. and went back and went uh, joined my father in the newspaper business, which is what I had grown up doing, and was 20 years later publisher of the Mississippi Business Journal, Mm -hmm. and realized that my values and the values of the people who read my newspaper were quite mm -hmm. different and mm -hmm. it was time. And by then I had seen a woman in the pulpit and at the altar and went, oh, I can do this. Mm -hmm. So I came mm -hmm. back to seminary here uh, after having been in the business world for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So I was a second career priest, business person first, then clergy person, and then started realizing that these things, with, along with my husband, who was, um, getting into venture capital in the impact space, mm -hmm. that we really wanted to build a community of people who really cared about impact investing and social entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to, that there were people doing amazing things in this world, in those fields, and that gathering them uh -huh. in a community at an event would accelerate this space more than anything else wow, would. Wow. So that we started SoCap. So tell us about SoCap. What what is it, and why did you why did you start it? Well, we started it because um, people were coming to our conversations that we were having uh, about once every month, six weeks, mm -hmm. just kind of fling the doors open at Good Capital, their their VC firm, and people would show up and want to know more about. How, what it means to invest your money for good. Mm -hmm. And the the interest was there in having more conversations than they than Tim our Tim Freundlich, our business partner and Kevin could have. Mm -hmm. So uh, we started saying, well, what if we just move this to a conference space and then throw open the doors and see how many people would show up? Quite interesting, yeah. right? That, yeah. uh, but it's that's what social entrepreneurship is about, right? When there's a crisis, Absolutely. You find an innovative way to get through that, right? Well, when there's a crisis, it means that the old ways aren't working. Mm -hmm. So you have to innovate. Mm -hmm. You have to find mm -hmm. a new way forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So pastor, priest, business person, start SOCAP. Now, I've been coming to SOCAP because of our relationship for the last few years. And um, and you've been at the center of this conversation that I want to ask you about. So I'm at SoCap, and um, here is what I am hearing while I'm while I'm going through one of I don't know how many 500 you know workshops and it's things that y'all have gone on. 30 plus workshops. Wow, and and how plus, many? Plus the main stage. That's not including main stages. Yeah. And how many people you have here now? More than 3,000. 
from 600 to 3,000. From wow. 600 to 3,000. Yep. So, but here's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing words. People are using these words, and we're talking about walking around, and there's billions of dollars represented. Billions. Billions of dollars, literally. Venture capitalists, investment firms are all here. They are using words like social justice. Um, we need to find a way for people of color to get wealth. Uh, how, do, how do we translate ownership? Racial equity is being thrown around from main stages. Um, uh, food health, job creation. I heard one, one speaker uh, say, I heard an old parable, where there is no vision, the people perish. Right. Which is, right, right, right? Yeah. He said it was an old parable, but we know where that comes we from, right? Comes from, yeah. um, uh, talking about putting marginalized communities at the table. How are we going to engage through LGBTQIA plus engage, uh, encounters and engagement with the queer community? All that those are the conversations that's happening here. So the interesting thing, Leroy, is that in 2008, when Kevin and Tim decided they had been going to lots of meetings about venture philanthropy and putting money into good and social enterprise and what's this blend of investment and philanthropy. And if you knew you could move just a little bit of more money out of that one pocket into the other pocket, uh -huh. and instead of making... 7%, you'd only make 6%, but it would do good in the world. Mm -hmm. Might you consider doing that? Mm -hmm. And they were able to raise enough money to do yeah, some, yeah, yeah. some things. Well, it turns out that they and plenty of other funds mm -hmm. started realizing that when you include everybody in the decision-making process, when you don't have a bunch of people who were sitting here at Fort Mason making decisions about what to do in the inner city in San Antonio, mm -hmm, but you include mm -hmm. the people who live in San Antonio mm -hmm, in the mm -hmm. decision-making process, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you are more likely to be successful. Yeah, yeah. So what has happened in just 12 years mm -hmm is that people are not, ha, people are, are, have begun to recognize that these terms that you were talking about, mm -hmm. you know, social justice, right. you know, including people from the neighborhood, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. having everybody at the table, right, LGBT, right. it's, you know, et cetera, all of that conversation increases the possibility you're gonna make money. So people are flooding to this space, which is a great thing and a bad thing. Yeah. Because what we need to be really careful about is that we don't want money to rule these conversations. Right, right, we don't, right. We, you know, I don't want to say, well, you know, you just got to, I don't know how to say it exactly, you, you just got to sacrifice everything. Well, Jesus did say that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's the winning strategy for investment opportunities in 2019. Mm -hmm. But the idea that you can make money while doing good is going to move us down the road a lot faster. Mm -hmm. But the idea that you can make money while doing good and that doing good helps you, mm -hmm. I'm really anxious for us to find that language to, to create a moral center where people don't do good to make more money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they mm -hmm. do good because it's the right because thing it's the to right do. Thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's that's a conundrum right now. I'm in conversation after conversation 
I think you and I just said this, but I don't think we were being recorded yet. But there's opportunity where there's crisis, and this country is in huge crisis mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a huge opportunity for people to think differently mm. about their money, not because they want to, but because they have to. Mm. And if mm-hmm. we can get mm-hmm. ahead of that conversation and start being exemplars and being the the people of faith who say, you know, Jesus told us that to give up our lives, we would gain and to, to put others first, the last shall be first. And all of, all of the amazing things mm-hmm, that Jesus mm-hmm. taught that we don't pay any attention to, like paying a day, a, lab, a living wage, mm-hmm, the laborers mm-hmm, in the vineyard, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, paying mm-hmm. a living wage, invest your money in a, in a way that it's going to make money. There are all of these stories mm-hmm, that Jesus mm-hmm, told mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. If we can get all of that integrated into how we understand how money should operate, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we can turn this around. Yeah, it, yeah. And pastors need to step up, talk about God, I pray and close these eyes, knock these dice, I pray to win. Like last penny, itching to scratch a million out of one last dollar. Like the difference between 10 seconds, 10 yards, and a touchdown. Like dropping coins into slot machine wishing wells. All the world's a casino. All the men and women are merely gamblers, placing bets, counting chips, calculating risks. And these little bitty arms, have tried their hand at boxing with God. Arms never long enough. Mind never smart enough to outfox him because he knows exactly what to do to get me to honestly pray him. Where I forget the cliches and all the stuff I say to make up for my lack of faith and trust when I ain't got nothing else to give except giving up. It's tough to lay your oh-so-visible life into seemingly invisible hands, but at some point, we all end up in the place where Abraham had to stand, offering only hopes, with little to no hope of regaining what we think we stand to lose. But the amazing thing about God is he never takes away our ability to choose. See, I've stood at many forks in the road, put my life on hold, bartered with God for a compromise, trying to minimize my sacrifice, hoping if I raise him a Sunday morning, maybe he won't see my Friday night. But ain't no betting with God unless you're betting it all. That's heart, mind, body, soul. So most times, I fold. And with every lie, the stakes get high until I'm in over my head in a debt I'll never repay until this humble hustler asks the dealer to deal him in, says if he wins this hand, all debts are on him, but we don't believe him. He looks too new to the scene, like 
He never cashed in a chip, never smelled the scent of newly minted green, but he just smiles and holds his cards close to the chest, says, focus on hearts and let the rest worry about itself. See, he came to pay debt with death so I could see him face to face. And when it was time to pay up, Jesus stood in my place. And that's how I know there's more to grace than bowing heads and praying over meals. See, it's not how much good I can do. God just wants me to yield. These little bitty arms have tried their hand at boxing with God, and now this heart is going to take a chance at betting it all. What up, folks? Uh, now, we only had a couple minutes with Rosalie. I hope that was helpful and inspiring for you. And I, 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 wanna, I wanted to come back and now leave you with some questions off of what you just heard. One is if you are a pastor, if you're in a role of a ministry, uh, if you're uh, into justice of any kind of way, what role does philanthropy play in that? How, how are you connecting philanthropists folks that give to the work. An obvious question is, what is the role of social justice? What is its, what is its role in your work as a Christian leader, as a leader even of a business, right? Um, how does justice play out? Here's a big question. How will you redistribute wealth to people of color? How's that going to happen? How's that a part of your work? How's that a part of your Sunday morning engagement? When you gather around a communion table and some people have major wealth and others don't, how are you, how are you going to work in that space? That's actually not a communion table, is it? It's not a table of equals. How do you create ownership? Right? If, if wealth is going to be changed, ownership has to be changed. How do you do that? What does that look like in your space? Racial equity. How do you bring racial equity to your work? Whether that's through jobs, whether that's through money, whether that's through education, what does racial equity look like? Food health. What is nutrition? How do we deal with food deserts, right? All of this is a part of, of, of social entrepreneurship. When you think about a market, when you think about a store, you know, there's a whole lot around gentrification and soul food and soul food and whole foods. That, that was a Freudian slip. I got soul food on my mind, maybe. <laughs> Creating jobs. Are there ways for you to create jobs and the jobs that are created, are you looking to put those jobs in the hands of people that need them or people outside of your circles? Because most of us hire people we know. How, are you going, how, how is job creation gonna be done outside of your circle so that more people can, can be a part of what you're doing? How are you gonna get marginalized communities to the table, right? Someone sitting on the outside. Here, here's, 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 a, here's an example. How many of you, especially churches and, and folks like that, do either ministry with those who don't have homes or food ministry and, and no one making those decisions is homeless 
nor is there anyone making those decisions who has to stand in those lines. So we got a bunch of people with homes trying to, trying to tell people without homes what they should be doing, right? That it, when you put it in that context, it's like, oh, we all have homes and we're trying to solve problems with people without them. How do you engage the LGBTQIA plus community, right? How, like, like I, 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 am not, I am not arguing your, what you think theologically or what, where you think about these people. I, I, I'm not getting into the argument with you, but these are human beings that are part of our society who are citizens. So, so how and when and where are you having those conversations around the human beings that are part of the queer community? This is Leroy Barber. And remember, the P in sit up is for public discourse. So when you start having these conversations, try to balance that room. Have folks from different sides speaking in because we learn from both sides, whether we agree with them or not, right? So remember that P in the sit up, public discourse. Remember to hit us up on, on Facebook at Sit Up Podcast. Remember, you can shoot questions to me at Leroy Barber on my Instagram, my Twitter, or my Facebook. This is the Sit Up Podcast. Let's begin. 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 Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Too young to die, too old to live for nothing. Face forward, make sure you ain't frying. Running life's race means starting something. Each day, new beginning, rise with the sun and put on your kicks, cause life's a trip. I don't run alone, cause I'm known to slip. I used to think the chrome was the way to live. Till I saw too many in before they could begin. Stop everything and reposition. Let your soul grow, think the mission. Let the world know that you mean business. There's a difference between plans and wishes.